Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, the podcast all about music. I know it's been a little while since we had a podcast episode, and as much as I would like to say that it's a case of rebranding, taking myself a break, and then rebranding for season two, it's not, it's just been, I've been swamping my day job. Uh, I mean, that can happen end of one year, beginning of the next year. However, I'm back. I have a long weekend this weekend, so able to do a podcast today. I'm going to try to do another one tomorrow um, with a special guest. Um, but I'm excited to be back. I will still take this opportunity to start up as a new season because it's a new year. I might as well. Um, so that way I don't have like odd lo- too many odd long gaps between seasons. Um, and also, I will say the if the audio sounds a little bit different this time, um, I... My sister is amazing and got me a new microphone for Christmas, so I'm going to be using that since I like it so far, but I'm, it's, previously I've been using headphones and this time it's like an actual microphone, so I'm still not fully used to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, to, still not fully used to uh, using it, so I may be faint at times while I still get used to that, so um, I appreciate your patience so far. Um so, there's a decent amount I want to get to, because there's been a bunch lately in terms of the world and in terms of music. There's some music stuff I want to get to. I, since this is my first episode, since, uh, with, I mean, given everything that's happened since my last episode, I figured it would be good to still discuss some of that. Um, but before we do, I have a Facebook page. It's called Groupie and Harmony. Make sure you give that a like, because I post whenever I... Uh, release a new episode, and I also post whenever I have any updates about the podcast. I've also been posting anytime I have any updates or any new blogs about my blog, Feeling Groupy, which um, recently has been a little bit slower with content. Uh, main reason because uh, I have my other blog that I'll get to shortly that I've been more focused on recently, um, but that will be ramping up a little bit again. Um, so I have a, po- a post that's going to be coming out in the next couple days that I'm really excited for. That one is uh, the best rock, uh, the best rock band of the world right now. Decide like just looking at who some of those band, some bands to see who it might be, because um, it's not necessarily a clear cut decision right now. When a lot of times there seems to be to be one. Like for instance, when the Beatles were at their prime, it was like yeah, it's the Beatles. And different times in history, there seems to be one. But right now, I don't think there is a clear cut one. So it's really a really fun debate there. Um, and then I'm also, I know I've been teasing for a little while about, um, festivals, made up festival series on there where I've invented different festivals and posting the lineups. I'm going to start doing that soon. I have some lineups that I can post. I just want to do a little write up about each of them and post them. I have in particular, I have a few festivals, different festivals in mind. Like I have one that's similar to a Warped Tour thing, but more metalcore based. Um, I have one that's like a traditional hard rock metal festival. Um, I have one that's a blend of progressive rock and electronic music for the most part with some other things. I had one that was like a, vir- a multiple genre virtual one, which or half virtual, half not virtual, which hasn't, uh, I haven't fully finished. I haven't done any new lineup, any lineups for that one yet. I'm also starting like a jam festival one and there's some other ones that I'll probably come up with. Um, I, um. And then I have a couple others that I know I've been I know I've been teasing for a few times, like looking at uh, religion in particular, Christianity and different styles of music. I'm finally going to be starting up the research for that soon. Um, and then I have another one that I 
been eyeing these ones are this one's like the last one i just mentioned will probably be a little bit delayed but uh looking at the potential of uh like holograms and music and then uh the potential future of that um so there's a lot that will be coming out in the next month i'm really looking forward to that and then for i also have a basketball blog that i started up recently uh is baller trademarked yet that one's been in full swing recently because of uh, the NBA se- because the NBA season has started up recently, um, but uh, I there's been a bunch recently. Um, just a couple days ago, uh, I had a post related to James the James Harden mega trade. That was really excited and exciting. I also had uh, one related to uh, uh, looking at how NBA players protested different events recently compared to um the uh capital storm which i'll get to in a little bit and then i have some other ones and i i will say also if uh, since the last episode that i released for the uh for the blog i have i mean for the podcast i've also done a look at different uh artists that are eligible for for the uh, feeling groupy blog i've done a post that's uh artists that are newly eligible this year for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and looking at whether I think they w- they have a chance to get in, which ultimately, that one, I'll confess, it's not a particularly, like, over-the-top exciting one in that one. I mean, in terms of who will get in, because likely, I'm expecting there will be two first-year eligible nominees, and I'm expecting those two to be Jay-Z and Foo Fighters. But at the same time, there are other ones that could sneak in, like we could see Wilco sneaking in, or Chemical Brothers, D'Angelo, Robin, um... And then there's a lot of other artists on there that I think are are an interesting case study to consider. So, um, like, for instance, may, uh, maybe you want to see what I think the odds are for someone like um, uh, Lil' Kim. Or maybe you want to see what I think about uh, Jurassic 5 or Monica or um, Incubus, Incubus or... Uh, I didn't realize I struggled as much to say that one as I do, but anyways, um, there's a bunch of artists there. I discussed most of them. Um, a bunch of them I just did briefly, but a bunch of them I did a little bit more in depth. Um, so that one was a really fun one to write, so I'm, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, and then for the basketball one, there will be more coming out too. I've just been bogged down with work, so the output hasn't been as fast as I'd like, but hey. Um, so before we get into music... It's, um, so it's been, um, it's been a few, a few days since, uh, the, um, since the capital was stormed. Actually, it's been a little bit more than a week now, I think. Yeah, so it's been 11 days. I... I did want to talk about this briefly. It's because I talked about it briefly in the blog post that I released on the, um, on, uh, is Baller trademarked yet? I did that on the, the 12th, I think. Yeah, I released that one on the 12th. Um, but I also in particular did want to compare it to how NBA players were dealing with protests because I felt like a lot of them in particular were handling it incredibly well and I was really impressed with how they were handling it and I think for me I 
I think more people are focusing on, uh, I think because there are a lot of people that are focusing on, uh, the, on, uh, what, on, like, comparing, like, oh, come on, you protest for, excuse me, you protest for one but not the other. I'm not gonna focus on that because I feel like if I try to, that will, I feel like people who supported this protest will basically one side whether you support it or not one side will love when will love my view of it and one side will hate it and frankly I thought it was ridiculous the reasoning so but I don't want to focus on that and I I what I do want to focus on instead is the fact that the way really more the the way that was handled than some responses with it so um look frankly If it's a violent mob, like if it gets violent like that, it's not. It's not a. If if you gets violent, if you trespass into an area, if you desecrate different things, uh, wreck stuff up. It's not a protest anymore, really, in my opinion. And frankly, the point of it, what I didn't feel like that was a protest at all. I felt like that was a, more of a heist. Um, and I mean, I'll, I've called it a heist. I've called it a siege. Um, like I've called it an insurgence. Um, but look, ultimately when, when like you, when people like go in and like are violent in that regard, and do that stuff. You've got to realize that's just a horrible way to handle it. And the country looks at you and says, what a bunch of failures. So, and so that it, so I mean, congratulations, you prevented a vote at that moment. They voted later that day. If you're, if your whole point was uh, to, uh, unless, if your whole point was to uh, make it so, tr- uh, to give Trump more power, congratulations, you made him less popular, and made and made him look like uh, and look like more of a moron. If your point was uh, to say that uh, the to say that the election was stolen and this was your way, congratulations, you look like violent crybabies instead. The, it's one way to handle it. If there are ways to handle it, and this was a horrible way to handle it, and not the right way to handle it. Um, and I mean, I will say also, like, I when uh, there were the questions of whether Trump would be uh, would leave office or not, I wasn't afraid that he wouldn't leave that he wouldn't leave office. I figured eventually, figured eventually he would. Even if it took a little fighting, whatever. And I, I'm not, I figured there'll be some backlash about the election results. This wasn't election like, like any others because of the amount of mail-in ballots. And that's because we're in a damn pandemic. But, well, I know more people, so many people were worried that he wouldn't 
leave office. I wasn't worried about that. What I was worried about it was how long it would be before he would stage a coup or hit the, uh, or um, radical supporters would stage a coup to try to get back into office. That was that was the part that I was most worried about in that regard. And well, I will say I didn't expect the coup to happen before he left. So I am expecting that there's a good chance that something will happen on the um during the inauguration which is why they have like security all ramped up for it already and i think that's the right decision and now i and now i know pence has been uh involved more with the uh with the daily duties with this after a cuz i read that uh trump was kind of was annoyed after a some things including being banned from social media I, and I will say, I, I am, I'm glad that he is, because I think that Pence is, I, I figured Pence would take this one, this kind of threat more seriously, so I'm glad that, in the final three days, that Pence has been, uh, more invo- more involved in that regard, because I think he, I think that he is, he has shown that he's more apt and able to handle these, um, But, I mean, look, this way of handling it is a sign that we are getting closer to a civil war. This way of hand, this way of handling it is yet another sign that, uh, uh, of, of when I just see that, frankly, we're getting so, bi- uh, so bipartisan a lot of, a lot of times that, uh, that this is, that we are a Again, we're approaching a civil war kind of thing, and now I know that in this case, there, I know that um, reaction to that might be, but a lot of Republicans after the storming of the Capitol didn't support it. But it, I, first off, it took until that, and even still, I'm not necessarily saying Republicans versus Democrats when I, in that time when I say bipartisan, because. I, in that case, I mean, like, there could be not just the two parties when I mean that. I mean, in this case, I mean more two sides, two uh, sects. And I mean, because I know for, and I mean, I think we, like, media has been stemming this one for years. Um, because you have, for instance, um, and it's not like a, a one-sided thing with the this. Because, I mean, you, for instance, uh you have, uh, uh, like, if you turn on Fox News, for instance, and you have uh, um, them, like, do it, saying everything that Democrats are doing is moronic, and then you turn on, on MSNBC and showing how all the Republican things are moronic. and Or, like, for instance, you have how uh, suddenly, like, uh, when uh, when uh, somebody says, uh, when somebody says, some, like, somebody like LeBron speaks out about a political thing, and then the other, and then you have Republicans being like, "Oh, shut up and dribble," or the, at the time known as the Dixie Chicks, now the Chicks, um, say uh, suddenly are opposed to Bush. Suddenly they're the biggest villains in the world. But then, and then we, like, and then like, the Democrats give them sympathy, but at the same time you have, when you have individuals like, uh, um, like. Kid Rock, Ted Nugent, um, 
uh, Morrissey, um, Ariel Pink, I couldn't think of his name for a second, then suddenly they're just, they're just loony, um, and I mean, then you have, suddenly it's like when, uh, Kathy Griffin has a joke about, uh, Trump having his head chopped off, and, uh, Ted Nugent has a thing about Barack Obama being hung, the party that supports them is defending them when the other one is saying that, that that's absolutely ridiculous, woe is me, this, we've allowed them to do this and that is part of why I'm not particularly sadly I'm not particularly surprised something like this happened um and one thing I will say also is that I I discussed this some in the um in the blog post I posted as well um I know I've plugged it a couple times so I'm not like using this as an intentional plug for it but um I just don't want it to be a case of a necessarily like feel like I'm just reading that aloud on here which I'm not doing um is that that I with some of these things I hear of people saying like I didn't hear as many people necessarily saying this in this one but like whenever for instance someone's spreading uh like a COVID hoax or something like that I always hear oh but it's freedom it's freedom of speech well that know what the Constitution is talking about with this before you immediately say this. What the Constitution is referring to is in a, regards to uh, your freedom of speech protected from the government. Um, like your, um, so like for instance, Trump being banned from, uh, uh, from like Twitter for instance, that's not a violation of freedom of speech because they, if they have like Twitter banning anyone for the most part, if that's our corporate, and I mean, there are some exceptions, but if that's our corporate policy and they violated their, uh, if they violated the rule, their, uh, rules in their pol conduct policy, then they have the right to do that. Um, and then same thing with, uh, different people getting fired for po saying different things. If it's a private company, they're allowed to do that. They're not covered by the constitution to hold that person. Um, again, there are certain exceptions with that, but I mean, that's why, for instance, like, also you see, like, a, a case, I know I said this in, a, the I said this in Malkos too, but there's, a, you see a case like Hobby Lobby has on their website that, uh, um, that on the, uh, that honoring the, honoring the Lord is one of their first lists and their commit, one of the first commitment listed on their site. And that, they're not necessarily, I mean, again, it's, the government doesn't necessarily, uh, like, it's not a governmental entity. So that's different. And now, the big thing, though, with that one is that it really, that even for this one, they might not nece necessarily be defended in this because, um, for freedom of speech or, uh, freedom to protest or assemble, whatever, um, because, um... Um, because they were, technically, if you incite imminent lawless action, then you are not protected by freedom of speech. By that. So, in Trump's case, technically by that, he would not be covered by freedom of speech if it is deemed that he, that he did that. And I think a lot of people are agreeing that he did. 
So, and similar kind of thing, like, with those kind of things that, um, I know they give the classic example with that of, uh, shouting fire in a theater. Um, I know they spent a little bit updated. So that's the terminology I used a second ago was before that was the updated version of that. But even still, um, te- uh, most of these people that are doing this aren't defended by the constitution or the freedom of speech in, because of what happened with this. So, and a lot of other things, it's, private entity so like if a company chooses to fire them over this if it's a private company then yeah they're not protected by the constitution necessarily do that and it's not a case of a but the constitution doesn't say do you have the freedom of consequences no that's not the point of this the point is that that's not the constitution isn't used for individual private businesses so ultimately i thought the protest the reason of protesting was stupid but i'm not going I'm not, I understand that this is, this is difficult to grasp, this entire thing with the, um, just because, for, because I know some people have a lot of difficulty dealing with change. I'm one who does, and this is just so unprecedented that it's, it is weird. Um, but yeah, so that's my political talk. I know I try not to do political talk on any of these podcasts, um, not because I want to play it safe and appease everyone. No, I don't, I don't care about that. I'm, I talk, I, if I'm not talking about stuff I want, then I'm not going to do it. But the reason that I don't talk about politics is, um, two reasons. I don't want to, I mean, I think one person talking about their political views and having no response or whatever is the biggest waste of time because it's like, oh, this is my view. Here's a podcast. Here's my view or whatever. Or here's a TV show. Here's my view. That's, Congratulations. Whoopin' F and do. Like, I mean, but I, and also, I mean, for me, I care more about the technicalities with that. So, I mean, because for me, like, for instance, with the tech, for me, what I thought was more interesting with the protest is how seeing about, thinking about, well, they're not protected by the Constitution here because of X, Y, and Z kind of thing. I find, I find that crap more interesting than, uh, than all the, uh, than like, What's your view about this? No, like, if we keep talking about just our view, you might as well talk to a brick wall. Because so many people are set on their views that we're not going to change anything. But anyways, enough out of politics. Let's get into music. So there's been a, I want to give a couple quick music updates here. Um, So first off, a really exciting one. The Save Our Stages Act has been passed as part of the COVID relief bill. So that's really, really, really exciting. Um, and, uh, um, it's, there's, there's still going to be, uh, there's a tax for a task force and, uh, that's going to be instituted for that, that is still doing that. But, um, while it was passed a little while ago, it hasn't been instituted yet. They're still working on that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's like even a couple, even like another month or two before that's instituted. But ultimately, the independent venues will get helped eventually. Hopefully, fewer close before that time. Um, but ultimately, I'm really excited about it. I hope you guys are too. Um, next thing I want to mention is uh, Bandcamp Fridays. So I know I've mentioned that a bunch. Um, but uh, 
they are going to be continuing. Um, um, they're going to be continuing Bandcamp Fridays um, for February until May. So February 5th, March 5th, April 2nd, and May 7th, they're going to do that. Um, so I'm, and then with that, basically it's if, uh, you, um, excuse me, um, when, uh, when you do that, every, everything you, uh, you pay on bandcamp.com, everything you buy on the Bandcamp Fridays will go right to the artist or record label, depending on what it is, because normally there's a, there's a percentage that goes to Bandcamp. They're waving their, they wave those percentages for the first Friday of the month. They've been doing that for COVID, uh, and they've decided to keep doing that because, uh, artists, um, well, kind of tough to perform live right now. Um, so, and I will say, I know I mentioned a bunch, but I haven't really discussed too much about it. So like, if you haven't used Bandcamp before, it's largely indie, it's largely indie music that's on there, but, uh, there are and there are some bi there are some big names on there and there are some smaller names on there so a bunch of smaller names so i'd i'd highly recommend checking it out because you can go on there and sure you could see like someone like Sufian Stevens or Circus Survive was a little bit bigger um Neutral Milk Hotel's stuff is on there Wilco's stuff is on there um August Burns Red has some stuff on there i'm just looking through my stuff Phoebe Bridgers has stuff on there um Dillinger Escape Plan has some stuff on there. System of a Down, their recent, their new two songs, those are on there. Aesop Rock is on there. Um, uh, Protest the Hero has stuff on there. Mastodon has stuff on there. Um, so you can see those, like, big name, bigger name artists. But then at the same time, you could see, like, for instance, and you can discover artists on there. Like, a couple of artists I discovered on there is, for instance, The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. Or, um, or Dogleg, um, Giles Corey, um, Brutus, or, uh, Yasmin Lacey. She's incredible. <laughs> I'd highly recommend her. Um, like, I didn't discover them from, from Bandcamp, but, Bandcamp, but this wildlife. Um, there's a lot of artists on there, a variety of genres, so I'd highly recommend checking it out. Um, it's really, really cool really cool alright and now um, another thing I do want to mention is that there's still a lot of live streams that are going on um, I'm not going to go through each one because there, there's so many different ones um, but de a lot of bands are doing live streams excuse me so definitely definitely look into those um especially if you find that one of your favorite artists is doing one because i know there's been a it felt like for me name an artist and they're doing it for a lot of them so um definitely check it out see if you can find some because that's i know they're not the same but they're a lot of fun i know even like um two a couple months ago i uh i had done one for august burns red i think i i think i pay like something like 15 dollars for one of their live streams and it I mean, yeah, it's not the same as going to a concert, but still, it's great to, like, be able to watch it, and I had a lot of fun watching that one, it's, and I mean, I, cause, I mean, I will say, August Burns Red, in my opinion, is one of the best live bands I've ever seen, so it was great to be able to 
just watch them perform live. Um, another thing I want to mention, so um, I know there's so there's been a lot of individuals that have died with COVID, and I know I'm going to miss uh, people in music. I'm not going to mention everyone, and that's just because there's, sadly, there's been so many people that have died since COVID started for various reasons that I know I'm not going to get to them. But um, one that I uh, one that I do want to mention um, is uh, is a hip hop artist rapper MF Doom um, rapper and record producer rapper and record producer he incredible rapper uh, he took on the image of like a super villain for a solo career and he released several amazing uh, albums in. Uh, underground hip-hop and like alternative hip-hop and in particular I think for me the one that I was truly uh I was truly blown away by was uh when he uh when he teamed up with uh incredible producer Madlib and formed Mad Villain um their their album Mad Villainy is one I would go as far as saying one of the best hip-hop albums I've ever heard so good, um, so, uh, it, it, I mean, they just did so much, and they're, I mean, the two of them were perfect pairing up, um, they, um, and I mean, they, the two of them in particular, they, both of them, like, were willing to experiment, and that, in my opinion, is what made both of them so perfect together, and, I mean, MF, and I mean, while I have always listened to it and been blown away by uh, by Mad Libs producing, MF Doom has been points where he just totally steals the show. Like, I mean, uh, I thought his performance in uh, Figaro was in, was brilliant. So, um, so rest in peace. Um, he passed away on October thirty first, but it wasn't announced. His death was not announced until I think it was December 31st even yeah it was December 31st he passed away at the age of 49 so rest in peace um so also so now that uh 2020 ended um there have been, you we have a lot of publications that are announcing their best new albums I'm not going to announce mine today because I fell really behind with listening t to albums at multiple points, um, and I've managed to somehow not catch up. So um, I um, I'm hoping to have that sometime in February. Um, I'm also going to have uh, some twenty twenty some songs from twenty twenty that I loved, um, but I think in particular so. Um, there's one site that I like, Metacritic. It for TV shows, movies, games, and mu and albums. It gives a compilation of the of um the Meta Metacritic scores, which are um uh, which is just effectively an average of what all these critics gave give the scores, and it's it's weighted. In a way, like, so no, I think Rotten Tomatoes isn't weighted, but this one, it is weighted, um, which I personally like because, for instance, I, I would listen to, um, 
I would listen to, for instance, a certified critic from a um from like New York Times, for instance, potentially over me. Um So I do wanna go through their top ten. And um the way that Metacritic ratings work is it goes a scale from zero to a hundred. Um and it the equivalence of it is effectively that zero is a score of zero is zero stars and a score of a hundred is five stars. So if you're trying to think of the star ratings, um that'd be like that. Like a ninety for instance is four and a half stars. And basically the way they do it is uh zero to twenty is I might be a little bit off with the exact numbers I want. No, it's zero to nineteen, I think. No, zero to twenty is yeah, zero to twenty is uh general it's universally panned. Twenty one to or maybe it's twenty to nineteen and then twenty to thirty nine, something like that, is uh generally disliked. Forty to sixty is generally mixed reviews. Um sixty one to eighty is generally po is generally positive reviews, and then eighty one to a hundred is uh critical acclaim. So, um, I'm just going to go through the top 10 quickly, and then I, they also have user ratings, so I'm going to go through those quickly. Um, number 10 is Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. Um, oh crap, sorry, I clicked on something. <laughs> um, here we are. So, yeah. Um, I'm not going to necessarily going to go through each album just because, I mean, go talk about each album in depth. Um, and, uh, Dua Lipa's album had a score of 88. Some of them are ties, but, uh, I think they, I'm not sure how they did the tiebreaker exactly, but anyways, um, number nine is Song for Our Daughter by Laura Marling, which had an 88. Um, number eight is Folklore by Taylor Swift, which had an 88 as well. Um, and she's also the only artist who had, uh, who had two albums in their top 40, uh, their top 40 list, which is, in my opinion, really darn impressive. Um... Number seven is Women in Music Part Three by Haim. They, that one had an 89. Number six is uh, Run the Jewels 4 by Run the Jewels, which also had an 89. Number five is Grey by Moses Sumney, which uh, had a 90. Number four is Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers, which also had a 90. Number three is "Set My Heart on Fire Immediately" by Perfume Jesus, Perfume Genius, which also which had a ninety-one actually. Number two is "Rough and Rowdy Ways" by Bob Dylan, which had a ninety-five. So you know, casually, someone casually, you're seventy-nine years old and you had the second highest-rated album of Metacritic, um, and then uh, and also a fun fact with this one, uh, this album. Made Bob Dylan the first artist to uh, have a top forty album in seven consecutive decades, and then um, number one also the artist who had number one was also featured on this album, which is a little fun fact. Uh, number one is another veteran in the music scene, uh, "Fetch the Bolt Cutters" by Fiona Apple, which had a whopping ninety eight, um, and then I'll quickly go over the fan reviews which this one is uh, just done by fans instead um there are 15 albums but i'll do the top 10 and there is crossover here on these ones um number 10 is women in music part three by haim 
number which had the 89 again num uh and this one for the year end this one what they done is uh for this one is they had a uh, voters they had the voters um it wasn't the user score i misspoke there it was based on their end of the year polling um that they do um Number so number ten, Women in Music Part Three. Number nine, Run the Jewels Four by Run the Jewels. Number eight, After Hours by The Weekend, which had a meta score of eighty, which is still a good review. Um, number seven is uh, Soyama by Rina Soyama, which uh, that that album had a score of eighty nine, so I think it finished in eleventh or something like that. Um, number six, uh, Chromatica by Lady Gaga, which had a score of seventy nine, so that one was positively reviewed as well. Um, number five, Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers, which had a score of a score of ninety. Um, number four, Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple, which had a score of again ninety-eight. Uh, number three, Evermore by Taylor Swift, which had a score of eighty-five. Number two, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa, which had a score of eighty-eight. And number one is Folklore by Taylor Swift, which had a score of eighty-eight. Um, and that one actually, for the fan voting, it wasn't even close between Folklore and. Uh, and uh, future nostalgia, um, folklore had almost twice as many votes as future nostalgia did actually. Um, and then I do just want to quickly say, um, the since, uh, yes, I think I have also have, uh, um, oh yeah, and um, one thing I didn't mention actually with this is that, um, they, uh, is that with the top, uh, the Metacritic's top list, you have to have had at least 15 uh, reviews. So, for instance, they had they also had some albums that uh, some of the best ones that uh, had fewer than 15 reviews. So, um, for instance, with this one, you would have had a "Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void" by Creeper, "Send Them to the Coventry" by Pasalia, Salio, um, Soyama by uh, Rina Soyama, Soy. So, Soyama, um, apologies for that. Um, shortly after takeoff by BC Camplight, and we're new again, a reimagining by Makaya uh, McCraven and Gil Scott Heron. Um, who all of those ones would have, uh, would have charted in the top 10 there, or made the top 10 if they had included those ones. And they also had a bunch of, uh, they also included, uh, they had the top. Because uh, this one also, they only included original releases, so they, this one also, they have the top three reissues or compilations, so um, they had three that would have, three that had scores of at least 90. Um, the White Stripes Greatest Hits had a 91. Wildflowers and All the Rest by Tom Petty had a 95. And then Sign of the Times, uh, Prince's, uh, the deluxe version, release of Prince's album, uh, had an 100 on it um so basically an average it got a five star a perfect five star out of five for everyone so and i do yes i do have uh on here the lowest scoring albums on here which i will say um one thing to keep in mind with these when i say the scores um you might hear this and say wow these are pretty good they're all mixed reviews well with music you typically don't get people releasing stuff that doesn't have that doesn't get mixed reviews. I think there's only something like only, I think there's something like only five. Like I think there's fewer than ten. There's te definitely fewer than ten albums that have less that have less than forty on Metacritic. Um, when like movies, for instance, 
there was one year where you had United Passions, which had a one, and Human Centipede part, the third link or whatever it was called, that had a five, both in the same year. So, um, that one was an especially bad year for movies. Normally you don't get both of them, but, uh, but yeah, they, um, so with music though, normally someone will have the common sense to say, hey, this album sucks. With movies, the thing is though, even with a crappy movie, if there's the right target audience, um, then you could still make a profit and that's more important when if, if you release a crappy album, you likely won't make that profit. Um, so the five worst reviewed albums from this year, uh, number five, Bigger Love by John Legend, which had a score of 59. Number four, The Deadbeat Bang of Heartbreak City by Beach Slime, which had a score of 59. Number three, Smile by Katy Perry, which had a score of 58. Number two, Changes by Justin Bieber. Oh, I thought that album was terrible. Um, (laughs) which had a score of 57. Um, and then number one, Chapter One, Snake Oil by, well, it was, on the thing, it was released by Thomas Wesley. Officially, it was released by Diplo, who released effectively a country album, and that one had a whopping score of 46. Um, so yeah, uh, my uh, reviews will probably come next month. I'm, no, that's a little bit later than most people do. I just want to, in part, give uh, the late 2020 releases a chance, and then also, in part, just give myself the chance to catch up and listen to more music that I can rate with it. And now I, there were, I was torn between a couple things that I wanted to do here. I, but ultimately I decided that for, to finish off the episode, I would do another, I would uh, do another segment in uh the state of music series um and now there's a lot of genres i really wanted to do but ultimately the genre that i decided i would do one of the genres that made me start up this segment uh and there were two genres that really gave me the idea one of them was k-pop which i already discussed um and the other one is metalcore music now um the reason I thought of that one is just because I'm a big fan of metalcore, and I think metal in a metal right now is in a odd place in my opinion, where certain sub certain subgenres in metal are thriving, certain artists in some some certain subgenres are thriving, and it's just really inconsistent right now. I think in certain ways, so. And basically, what uh, the point of this one is that it's not a way for me to say, um, it's not a way for me to say, hey, this is what the state of music is that, um, um, this isn't a way of saying that, um, like about the quality of music. And the reason that I don't do that necessarily in these segments is because I think it's too subjective. Cause I mean, I know for instance, the most obvious example is, um, hip hop in particular, where, um, you have some people that are discussing like, Oh yeah, nineties hip hop. It all went downhill after that. And then you have other people being like, what are you talking about? It's great. Well, yeah, that depends on what you're looking for in hip hop. If you're looking for nineties hip hop music, then 
and like the styles from the 90s hip hop, then yeah, of course it's gonna, like, music evolves. You're gonna think that today's hip hop sucks because they're not 90s hip hop. If you're looking for today's hip hop back in the 90s, yeah, of course you're gonna think it's uh, that that you're not gonna like 90s hip hop. It is a different style. <laughs> so, um, and I think in particular with metal music, you do have that. And I think with metal music, you really, I mean, I really want to break it down by subgenres because I know like certain ones, like I, like at one point I want to do punk. I don't, I'm not going to break really, I'm not sure I'm going to break it down by punk, pop punk, because I mean, really the stuff that's going to be most popular is the pop punk. Hardcore punk won't find commercial popularity. Um, like traditional punk music. Prob that isn't as necessarily as exist in existence. Um, uh, post-punk, well, it depends on the style of post-punk. So that one, uh, but still, I think that that one's easier to group into one. Metal music, I do want to break it down. And I'm going to, and there are some genres I'm not going to talk about. Like, for instance, post-metal. That's not going to find any popularity. It's too weird of a genre. So I'm not even bothering talking about this. Metalcore, that's different. I will talk about that. Um, and also, when I talk about popularity, I mean in the U.S. right now. Um, I think the big reason is that it's not because I'm neglecting the rest of the world, trying to neglect the rest of the world. The main reason for that is just because I think, for me, I'm, I'm not necessarily as in tune about just how big artists are in other countries in comparison to how they are in the U.S., I'm more comfortable with knowing how they how big they are in the U.S. So that's why I do that. And now, basically, what this whole segment is, I talk about their popularity, where, like, where we are now, how we got to that, um, a little bit about the history of it, and then where I think it goes from here. And now, metalcore is really interesting, also, because uh, there's a lot of different subgenres um so i mean in particular i'm so you know some pop some subgenres that have had popularity at different points melodic metalcore mathcore deathcore electronicore progressive metalcore and new metalcore i'm going to group metalcore and melodic metalcore together until it's not convenient to do that. Um, mainly because that, uh, or until it's just outright inaccurate to do that. Um, and the main reason for that is just because I, it's, <laughs> I, it's easier to do that. And a lot of times those, there is kind of like the in-between because of that. And a lot of people, when they think metalcore, they often more think melodic metalcore. Because um, a lot of the more popular metalcore groups did have some crossover into melodic metalcore. Um, and then for mathcore, I'm... I'm not sure I'm going to get to that one, but tell you what, I'll get to each subgenre as we get to it. I'll talk about them briefly, but most of them are not necessarily as, uh, or not necessarily thriving. Um, so basically metalcore, it, it's effectively a fusion blend of, the way I've always thought of it is a blend between extreme metal and hardcore punk. Um, 
And I mean, there's, because uh, I mean, you have like different breakdowns, um, often fast riffs, often screaming, um, like a lot of uh, double bass drums. Um, but then um, for, and then you also have like some growling. Um, and like some like more high pitched shrieking. And then for more melodic metalcore, it was often a uh, um, for like melodic metalcore, they did also have more singing in in it. Um, and that's more on the choruses. Um, and then also like a lot of later group metalcore groups also did have like a some influence from others other genres like for instance you had some melodic death metal um artists um like in particular you had even like a group like in flames who approached that kind of thing um and some other ones but uh but they also were influential on a, a lot of uh later on uh later on groups and then you had like some other uh some other different forms of of uh, of metal that also influenced them and uh so like groups like france and they often really start out with like groups like hardcore punk groups that um were maybe not necessarily metalcore but like probably more were closer to crossover thrash. Like, I think that, like, Agnostic Front, for instance, and the Chromax, those two are, uh, um, two that come to mind. Um, then, like, uh, same thing with, like, The Exploited, Discharge, um, Dirty Rotten Imbeciles, great example for that one also. Um, and then, uh, Legendary Crossover Thrash Group, Suicidal Tendencies, um, they were really influential in that one. Um, but then in the 90s, suddenly you had a bunch of bands that got, uh, that had, a um, that had, like, underground success. Um, like, Hatebreed, um, Earth Crisis, Vision of Disorder, Integrity, um, Converge, who I would, I would argue might be the best metalcore band of all time. A really underrated band. Um, Marauder, Disembodied, several others. Um, but it wasn't really until the 2000s when suddenly it became really big. And now, I would argue that uh, Hatebreed might have been the first, the first uh, really popular one. Um, even though... Uh, you, even though you do have, for instance, like a um, Dillinger Escape Plan, who also had it to a lesser extent, um, but in the two thousands, yeah, those ones, and then you had a, and then suddenly like you had the more melodic groups that came about, um, like Kill Switch Engage, for instance, they. By their, by like I think their like second album, I can pull that up here for sure. Um, 
by their by their third by their second album. I think their second album charted on the Heat Seeker charts. Yeah, it charted on the Heat Seeker charts and had some success in the UK. By their third album in two thousand and four, the end of heartache, it hit twenty one in the US. And um. And then they, and they continued to have a crazy amount of success. Um. And I mean, really, they might have been, in my opinion, they are the band that truly brought them to the forefront. Um, but then you also had a bunch of others, uh, Shadows Fall, um, Atreyu, um, like, Atreyu in particular had a lot of success, even though they did also, they were also influenced by a bunch of other genres, uh, throughout, um, like, especially, um, can't find the album, but, uh, there was, was it Lead Sales and Paper Anchors? Yeah, by Lead Sales and Paper Anchors, they were, like, also going into, like, alternative metal. Um, and then Unearth had found a little bit lesser success, but still had, still had a lot of success. Um, Avenged Sevenfold came about, and, uh, their first two albums were a little bit smaller, um, but still had some, like, underground success. And then their third album, uh, in which I will say their second album, Waking the Fallen, in my opinion, that's that's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, even, like, when that one was, during the re-release of that, it didn't, it charted on the Heat Secret charts in the original release. When it was re-released, it charted at number 10 in for the 10th anniversary version. Such a good album. Um, and, but then they released City of Evil, which was their, uh, which was their third album. That one shifted more to a more traditional metal kind of sound, but even still, that one wound up being a, that one ended up being their big breakthrough success. But even still, they had some songs on that album that uh, that um had a um that like had a touch of like a metalcore influence. Like there was a little bit of it from Beast and the Harlot, for instance. Um, I mean, of course, then you also, on that album, you had, uh, Backcountry and Seize the Day, which are more hard rock. Um, but, yeah, but then you had a bunch of, um, bunch of metalcore, other metalcore bands that came out. As I Lay Dying had massive success. Um, All That Remains had a lot of success. Um, Bullet For My Valentine, were on the emo side of things, they had a lot of success. Um. And, uh, Bleeding Through. And then, oh, Trivium also. Um, and then at around that same time, suddenly there was this, these bands that, uh, were in, were, um, were more influenced by death metal. Um, and it more blended, like, death metal and metalcore into a form called deathcore. I didn't want to, I don't want to do a whole um whole thing on that one um because I don't think it's I don't think that the prime of deathcore was really in my opinion substantially long enough to discuss that one, but even still. Um so like mainly um Bring Me the Horizons uh first album um uh was a Count Your Blessings was uh 
won them all sorts of awards in the UK. It was critically panned at the time, but has since been higher regarded. Um, but then, uh, after that album, they they hated the album, and after their first album, they switched over to a more metalcore sound with Suicide Season, even though there was still a touch of it at times. Um, and that one was, um, that one was one, uh, that album also, uh, got more mixed reviews, but then, uh, but then after, uh, after, uh, it, uh, but then in retrospect, the album has gotten, their second album, um, Suicide Season, has gotten much better reviews, um, and they, they had a lot of popularity as a metalcore band before they shifted over to more of a pop rock sound, um, then you had, uh, Suicide Silence, who was another really big early deathcore band, um, they, they found a bunch of success in some of their early releases, um, but their prime was largely cut short, uh, after, um, their original singer, Mitch Lucker, um, died at the age of 28 in a motorcycle accident. Um, they, they replaced him and there was success still at first, but then it largely kind of, uh, fizzled out for a little bit. But then there, there are other bands that like had a lot of success. Um, Whitechapel in a more uh, when incorporating progressive rock into, uh, progressive metal into it, um, especially with their later stuff, um, but they had a lot of success as a deathcore band, um, Carnifex had some, had a good amount of success, um, Thyre is Murder had some success, um, there's one that I can see the band, I can't think of their name, um, oh jeez, from Massachusetts, why can't I think of the name? Give me just a second, I'll have that for you, sorry. Um, but yeah, but, uh, oh yeah, um, the Acacia Strain, of course. Um, but yeah, they're like, kind of like, blending between Metalcore and death and Deathcore. But, one thing with the Deathcore is that it did get, it was really polarized. Um... And, uh, like, it, there was a lot of criticism regarding it, um, especially, um, for the youth's breakdowns. A lot of bands hated the fact of, that they were called de deathcore bands, and, uh, even compared them, and even just the, um, the, um, vocalist of the aforementioned Acacia Strain, um, said, deathcore is the new metal. It sucks. And if anyone calls you death, calls us deathcore, then I might do something very bad to them. Uh, so, sorry, I'll call you guys metalcore from here on out. But um, yeah, like, I mean, it ultimately kind of sizzled out because uh, I think in part of that. But metalcore though, still had success into the into the next decade though, into the 2010s. You had like Devil Wears Prada, who had a ton of success. As I mentioned, uh, Bring of the Horizon had a lot of success. Um, Asking Alexandria. Motionless in White, Bless the Fall, August Burns Red, um, and all of, I mean, all of these groups all happened to peak at a time also, um, when, like, Warp Tour was also really popular, because I still remember, um, 20, um, I, oh, jeez, what year was it? Um, I think it was 2015. 
15 warp tour. Um, I want to get this right for you guys. There was one, um, I think it was 2015 warp tour, and I want to get the artists for you guys here too. But there was one year where it was pretty much like for warp, excuse me, for warp tour. It, it, yeah, it was 2015. Um, they had all sorts of acts who had a, frankly, um, all peaked at like all um all of these uh all these metalcore bands that had all happened to peak at a similar t uh, that were all like in their prime or close to their prime, all headlining Warp Tour. So like for, basically they had Pierce the Veil who was uh who was uh post hardcore, and then beyond that like the other basically all the other headliners for instance were they had Asking Alexandria. August Burns Red, um, Bless the Fall, um, let's see, who else? Um, okay, let's try the other sta headlining stage here. Attila, um, Memphis Mayfire. Um, I can't remember if I said bless the fall, but yeah, bless the fall. Um, it, and it was like all of these bands happened to be all in their prime at around the same time. And then you also had all these other, like all these other bands that weren't necessarily as big that were also get rising in popularity around that time. You had like the Amity Affliction, um, fit, uh, fit for a King, um, while she sleeps, Beartooth, um, all the, like, basically, it was, like, to the point where, um, for the stage that was usually saved for the metal stages, they had not metal bands on there because, well, frankly, they had so many big-name metal bands, they were all on the main stages. It was really cool, in my opinion, um, and they all happened, like, I considered that one to be close to the end of the prime of metalcore at that time. And I had long said, I had said for a f while, and I thought this for a while, that um, a sign that metalcore is starting to die out is if you have these, th if you have none of these three bands have success. Commercial success. A day to remember, now they are more on the melodic end, and uh, um, and uh, have, um, and like also are a little bit pop-punk uh, pop infused. So, a day to remember, Kale Switch Engage, and August Burns Red. Now, August Burns Red, their most recent album, charted in the 50s. Now, I think that's a little bit of a fluke because they couldn't tour. But that said, their previous album was in the 20s, which was a little bit of a drop. And then, um, even Kale Switch Engage, their most recent album, which was released in 2019, that one charted at, um, 13. So when they previously had several albums that were charting top 10. And a lot of these other big-name metalcore bands had, um, did actually, like, either drop off, change styles, whatnot. So, like, for instance, even, like, a lot of the ones in, like, that were really popular, um, like, for instance, As I Lay Dying, their singer was arrested for murder. They have regained some popularity, but nothing like what they were prior to that. 
Um, all that remains dropped off a little bit. Bullet for my Valentine changed styles a little bit. Um, Trivium is still having some popularity. Um, Devil Wears Prada had a bit of a fall-off. Asking Alexandria changed styles to a more hard rock style. Um, motionless and White. Um, I don't know. I thought their last album, um, Disguise, I thought that one was more... I know there. Are, I thought that one was more gothic metal than metalcore, and industrial metal than metalcore at times even. Um, I know there are people that argue that it was still metalcore, um, but anyways, less the fall fell off a bit. Um, I think there's someone else that I'm missing that I wanted to mention. Attila totally fell off, really, in terms of their uh, album sales, but they still have had success touring. Um, as I mentioned, Avenged Sevenfold, they uh, they uh, cha they like changed styles. Um, and then uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, I had mentioned them before. They were more mathcore, but um, they ended up breaking up. Um, and then a lot of deathcore bands, they kind of fell off. And then also, um, and then, um, oh, another one of Mice and Men. This one's an interesting one because they were, they were among the artists that were in the new metalcore scene, um, which I'll talk about briefly. Um, new metalcore, they, um, it was like intended to be a fusion of new metal metalcore, but there were a lot of artists that were influenced by other styles of music. Um, in particular, like, uh, Issues had an influence, or in, Issues were influenced a bit by R&B as well. Um, uh, su uh, Suicide Silence had a little bit of a crossover, um, into it. Uh, of Mice and Men, they, um, I would say that they were the ones that really were the ones who, uh, managed to do it best with and most popular with their uh, third album resisting force such an amazing album um which ended up hitting number four in the u.s um and mirror had a they were kind of deathcore but then also were kind of um new metalcore um ultimately though that one died out really quickly um because of mice and men they after their next album after that was a uh, cold world which was, which got mixed reviews, then, um, their, uh, vocalist left the band, and, uh, they, um, then they switched back to, uh, more metalcore style for their future releases, um, even though their album right after that, Defy, still was a little bit new metal, um, before Earth and Sky was more metalcore, but then they really fell off in terms of popularity. Amir, well... With them, they were just look. They were they were just so controversial. I think that eventually the it just felt like the jig ended for them. It felt like because um, eventually that just happens sometimes. Um, Suicide Silence it was because their original vo their original vocalist passed away. Eventually that kind of faded up. Um, issues they had a like their debut album hit number nine in the U.S. Their second album hit twenty, and then suddenly by their third album it dropped all the way to one eighty one. Um, their, their lead vocalist was dismissed from the band for, uh, um, 
for sexual misconduct allegations. So I, so I think that's a, the fall off continues a little bit. Um, progressive metalcore is a, a another subgenre of it. They um, that one didn't necessarily have a ton of commercial success, but I th- I think it's an interesting one to discuss quickly because there are some that have had success. Um, like um, after the burial was probably the major pioneer one the iron pioneer group they they had a finally their fifth album chart in the u.s at number 50 but then their next album charted at 180 dropped 183 um but then there was also like a little bit of like a what some called a technical metalcore thing also um like for it's kind of similar to that um you had like for instance i the breather who did that Born of Osiris, who had some success. Um, Volumes had some success with that. Um, but And then also... Uh, with... And also, I think that one really stemmed another subgenre, which I don't think really deserves an entire section. Uh, gent... Uh, which is uh, which I mean largely was Mashuga who uh, was the first ba- the uh, originating band. They had a, they've had a ton of success with that. But then you have a bunch of other bunch of other ones. Periphery is probably the next one, um, next biggest one. Um, then there's some other ones. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Animals as leader. Um, Nemic. Um, textures. Tesseract, uh, uh, sixth, um, some other ones. That one though, it really, I mean, that one's polarizing because, uh, I think that just in general, um, there are a lot of people that just don't, and also don't like that term, but yeah, I think that in general though, with progressive metal, that's not a genre that's going to necessarily lend itself to being really popular, so that one ultimately didn't have a ton of popularity. Um, same thing with the subgenre of mathcore, which is probably best described as a, a something similar to math rock, which uh, is another genre that a genre that didn't really get much success um, commercially, um, which is just largely just uh, math rock is um, probably the best way of describing that one is. Uh, like you just have really weird time signatures, um, and starting and stopping, um, so I, um, a lot of dissonance, a lot of chords, a lot of weird chords, um, extended chords, um, I mean probably some of the most, I mean there um King one of the King's Crimson's album uh Red was probably the, might have been the first case of that, even though it was more progressive rock in my opinion. Um, but then, uh, Spiderland is probably the one, by Slint, is probably the one that, uh, comes to mind with that, but then, uh, you also have American Football. Love that band. Um, they, uh, they're on and then work from, uh, Steve Albini, Steve Albini, who's done a bunch of different stuff. Um, basically it's just considered, like, a, just a really mathematical genre. Um, Mathcore is effectively take that take, um, hardcore punk metalcore kind of sound 
and yeah, and then you just get um the irregular time signatures, um, weird syncopations, weird tempo changes, um, and uh make it really fast, <laughs> make it uh and then make it in in extremely pessimistic lyrics a lot of time, um, and yeah, I mean a lot of the I mean, the earliest bands probably were Converge, who did that very well. And Converge is, it's funny, because Converge is just now starting to have commercial success. After they had years of more underground success, they released an album in 20, uh, 2017, which was their ninth album. And uh, it received critical acclaim, which frankly all their releases have. But um, that one wound up being their best charting album so far. And that's their ninth album. They, their first album was released in twenty is nineteen ninety four. I mean, so, um, but yeah, they were um they're one of the early ones. But then also you had a uh, botch that um that explored that one, Coles who explored that one. Um, Dillinger Escape Plan is probably the one with the most success. They they even had um I think it was their last album that charted at thirty one. Yes. Oh, their last. Yeah, their last one charted at thirty-one, and the one before it charted at twenty-five. Now, their one before that, "One of Us Is a Killer." Um, that one is, that was an odd one. It wasn't, cause it was a little bit more progressive metal than some of their other stuff. But uh, I thought, but, but yeah, they had a lot of success uh, commercially. But that one in general, that one's just for the most part going to be more of an. Oops, sorry about that. Again, still getting used to this mic, sorry. Um, that one's just going to be a genre that will largely be um, just an underground one also. Um, Electronicore was like, it's pretty much what you'd think it would be based on the sound of it. A blend of electronic music and um, metalcore. And yeah, they... Um, that one was, uh, that genre is another one that was, uh, at some points criticized, some artists were criticized in it, some weren't. Um, Attack Attack was probably the first, um, the first American band. Uh, they, none of their stuff was particularly well-reviewed, um, but they had a big following. Um, Enter Shikari, Enter Shikari, um, they probably the, I would probably say they were the, they were one of the first ones that did it, um, and they might have been one of the most most successful ones. Um, even though they sh- largely they shifted more away from electro uh, from metalcore. Um, I see stars had some success with that. Um, they were I would say those they were more a little bit more melodic than if I think. Then again, um, electronicore was a bit more melodic than a lot of other genres of it. And they also that also spawned some really small subgenres that I'm not gonna get into. But basically, I know I alluded to the fact that uh, with the future of it, I had said that basically I was looking at A Day to Remember, August Burns Red, and Kill Switch Engage. Now, A Day to Remember, they're, they were supposed to release an album. Are they, They've been saying they were going to release an album. It's currently set for March of this year, I think. Um, they, they won't be able to tour with it, so that will that could hurt a little bit. Um but then again, also, I felt like they're, a lot of the songs, the singles they've released, haven't necessarily been metalcore as much. Kill Switch Engage, a little bit of a drop, but still really successful. 
Um, August Burns Red, more of a drop. But again, we'll we'll have to see with that. But there are reasons to be optimistic. First off, I Prevail. Now, I Prevail is... Uh, they're more on the melodic end of it. Um, in particular, they rose to fame uh, back in uh, 2014, I want to say. Um, when they uh, did a cover of Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Yeah, it was 2014. And that one wound up hitting 90 in the U.S. Um, then they released their debut album. It hit 15 in the U.S. And they released... Their, and that was released 2016, 2019. They released their second album. And it hit 14 in the U.S. So my response to that was, that's neat. It's not a case of... a really relying on uh it's not a case of really relying on the success of those of that Taylor Swift single. Also on top of that, um their singles have had a lot of have had a good amount of success on uh on uh radio air uh, excuse me, on radio airplay. Um uh, like especially um like SiriusXM, they've had a lot of songs that have been really successful on hard rock radio. So, um, they're more on the melodic end, um, but yeah, they, they also were nominated for a couple Grammys last year, um, which is really cool to see, and I, I will say, I saw them live when, actually, of all groups they were opening for, uh, um, for A Day to Remember, and they were amazing live, I would highly recommend them. Um, another one, which is, I think is an kind of an odd one um bear tooth so they're more on the hardcore punk end and i will and especially um their newest album diseased was more hardcore punk than some of their other stuff like especially than their first album they have got a little bit more melodic but and even their third album compared to their second album like their first album hit 48 in the u.s second album hit 25 in the u.s third album hit 40 in the u.s but still, their shows are, like, peop venues are still booking them. And in particular, at festivals, they were one of the openers for, um, when they were touring with, uh, um, Motionless and White, and they were one of the openers for Motionless, their festivals still put that, like, put Beartooth at a later time in the day, a lot, if they were performing on the same day. Which is usually reserved, if that happens, that's usually reserved for, like, the opener will be performing before the main act. Now, I don't know if it was, like, a case of they were on a side stage doing that, but still, that's pretty wild. And I, they were another opener, um, um, they were another opener, um, and they've, for a day to remember, they're another band that's absolutely excellent live, and, um, their main member, their lead member, uh, Caleb Shobo, he's, he was one of the members of Attack Attack, and really was in, was an important member for a while with them. Another one, that's another one that I think really changed my mind about that was one that came out of nowhere in my opinion, and that is Knocked Loose. Now Knocked Loose, um, they uh, I had discussed them in uh. The, in a rising art, my rising artist series that I did, um, their first album got 
I mean, who knows? Their debut album didn't really chart anywhere. Out of nowhere, their second album peaked at 26 in the U.S. And I mean, their first album, it was like just metalcore, heavy, hardcore. The next one, they like also incorporated some sludge metal into it. Um, and it was critically acclaimed, that album. Um, I had said at the time that I thought that might, I was afraid that might be a fluke. Now, I don't think, I'm not sure it is. They've had, they're, they've gotten, they've gotten air, radio airplay. And a lot of festivals booked them after that album. So I, especially like um, Danny Wire Presents, who books a lot of, uh, who there's more hard rock metal festivals. They do book a lot of bigger names. They booked, uh, they booked Knock Loose for a bunch of festivals. They also did that with Beartooth and I Prevail. So, I, so I think that that one wasn't really a fluke. I think the, uh, the one to, a big one to watch also is one that I've been saying, definitely watch them. And I, I felt like was one of the biggest losers of not being able to tour this year, Code Orange. So metalcore, hard, metalcore, hardcore punk band. Um, their fourth album was their first one to chart in the U.S. It was critically acclaimed. Also, uh, it hit one fifty-five in the U.S. Um, and also did incorporate a lot of genres that like expanded from their previous stuff, um, which was really cool to see. Also, um, they were set to do a bunch of festivals. Um, if if I remember, I think they might have even been booked for Coachella. Because um, Coachella usually books like one or two metal bands a year. Um, but yeah, they... Um, they're definitely a... Bit, uh, they were going to do Epicenter. Definitely a band to, to watch. I think that they will end up being big. And also one thing to note with that is that um, Slipknot was going to do one of their knot fests, the touring knot fest this year. And one of the bands that was going to be an opener for them was going to be Code Orange. And the other bands that were going to open were A Day to Remember, who was really big in the more metal genres. Under Oath, who um, I didn't mention them. I've always considered them more post-hardcore, but they're, but you could argue that uh, they are on the metalcore end too um they, they still have had a, a lot of success and then code orange which is massive that slipknot who's really big in metal thought that highly of them and i mean there are other smaller bands like that you have like kubacon for instance their um counterparts that's um that's they've had commercial success um Varials, for instance, they haven't had a ton of six as much success commercially, but still, and neither has Kublai But um, what I and also Code Orange, they've have had grand multi two Grammy nominations so far. So what I will say is that I thought Code Orange, I mean not Code Orange, I thought apologies, I thought Metalcore was on the way out. And now with these smaller, with these newer bands that are either expanding the genre or really heavily influenced by early metalcore music that are having success, 
then they are ex then they're finding new success and they are keeping the genre alive so i think that i don't know if it i i think that the prime of metalcore in the 2000s is has passed but i still think that there will be a lot of continued success i still think there will be continued success in the genre um so that's all i have for you guys i know this one was a long one um but it's been a while since i've talked i wanted to talk a bunch um especially once i got to metalcore music it's like oh boy Matt won't shut up here. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Apologize for, apologize for the long delay again. Um, I'm hoping to have another album released this weekend. Um, and uh, apologies for me still getting used to the mic. I'm still like trying to do it where I can look at my computer if I need to research or uh, pull up something or uh, just check something and talk into the mic, which is at a different angle. Um, but thanks my sister for that. I'll get used to that as it goes. Um, thanks also to, I end up using one of my sister's law books. So thanks to my sister for letting me steal her law book, even though I didn't tell her I would. And also thanks to, uh, Black's Law Dictionary, cause it's a big one, a big book that's good enough for this one. Um, and one last thing also, um, is that I have been toying with the ideas of, putting in advertising into the podcast and the blog um the blog it's literally just with the one i'm using you literally just submit an account your account for this and then they approve it or not um i'm still working on getting it approved because they're a bit cryptic about what i need to edit with that but uh with the advertising it would just be me talking on the blog i mean the podcast it would just be me talking for a little bit about uh like promoting something um, I'm not, I don't want to overrun the entire thing with it. I'm probably going to try to put it at the beginning just for the sake of being easy with production. But if there is, it might be in the middle. If there's a gap with it, we'll, I'll figure it out, but it won't happen yet. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys the heads up. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you like my Facebook page, Groupie and Harmony. Um, if, uh, make sure you check out the two blogs, Feeling Groupie and, uh, um, is baller trade is baller trademarked yet? And I'm so glad to be back talking to you guys. And I hope to be talking to you guys really soon again. Thank you guys so much for listening again. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.